Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. We're going through a series right now simply called Entrusted. Putting your money where your God is. It's been several years since we've taken the time to talk about financial stewardship or the stewardship of life. Why is that important? Because if we want God to to bless every area of our lives, we have to understand that we've got to give Him every area of our lives. Amen? It's not enough just to come in on a Sunday morning and go through a, a church service. It's not enough just to be a part of a life group. We've got to literally give God every single portion of our life, and that includes our finances. Now, there are times that churches and pastors are a little leery and apprehensive of preaching on finances because we all know the stigma that people say, well, the church just wants your money. Let me just say this up front. This series has nothing to do with a bigger offering. If it had something to do with a bigger offering, we would have waited till the end of the service after I preached the message to take the offering. But we receive the offering prior to the message. It has nothing to do with receiving a a larger offering, but it's all about empowering people for the kingdom of God. It's about learning the joy of giving. It's about a commitment. It's about a a sacrifice. It's about going from being an inward-focused person, which, by the way, our culture really pushes us to be. Yes? Anybody else see that out there? The culture is all about you deserve the best. It's all about you. You are number one. It doesn't matter who you have to step on, but the Bible is just the opposite of that. It says, love those that persecute you. Do good to those that do wrong to you. Invest in those that everyone else says is uninvestable. Is that even a word? I just created a word. According to the Chris Gray Dictionary, Invest in those around you. It's all about taking us from being inwardly focused to becoming what God wants us to be, of reaching the world for Him. I want to encourage you, if you've missed the last two weeks, go back and listen. That set the foundation of where we're headed over the course of about six weeks in this series as we talk about our personal finances. What are we doing with the money that God has blessed us with? What are we doing with the the time that God has given us? What are we doing with our families? What are we doing with everything that we have in life? Our text this morning is found in Acts chapter 20 verse 35 and it says this, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How many of you know it's really important to remember the words of Jesus? You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to... Say that with me. It's more blessed to give than it is to... Two words that I want to talk about very quickly as we frame out the onset of this message. The first word is blessed. It's more blessed to give. What does that word blessed 
mean? Does that mean, well, I'm going to be filthy rich because I'm, I'm blessed? Does it mean that I'm going to be greatly spoiled because I'm blessed? No, the word blessed literally means, according to the original Greek, it means happy. You will be happier when you come to the place in your life that you put self aside and begin to give beyond yourself in order to invest in someone else. Okay, let me say that again because I really thought there'd be more than just one amen here and one partial back here. You will be happy, you will be blessed when you come to the place in your life that you put self aside and begin to give beyond yourself in order to invest in someone else. You are happier. It's more blessed to give than receive. And that's really hard to wrap ourselves around because we love to receive stuff. Anybody like free stuff? I love free stuff. And I know that every one of you love free stuff because I've seen some of you at concerts and different things when they're getting ready to give free stuff away. You all go cray cray on me. And my, my daughter just cringed because I say, she's like, Dad, that was so two years ago. No one says cray cray. Give me a moment to catch up. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The second word that I want to look at is the word give. Give, by definition, according to Google.com, is freely transfer the possession of something to someone or to hand over to, to transfer possession, freely transfer possession with no strings attached, with not expecting anything in return. I'm just going to give you something. I'm going to transfer this from me to you. I'm going to hand it from here to there just because I want to invest in you. But giving is also an act of, of dedication to God. It's saying, God, I need you. God, I, I depend upon you. God, I want to I give you everything. And God says, in return, I want to share my heart with you. Have you ever thought about the heart of God? What is it about the heart of God that, that He wants to share with us? What is God's heart? Well, it's simply this, to be a giver. God's heart, God's desire is to be a giver and he wants to share that with you. How do I know that God's heart is to be a giver? Because John 3:16, one of the most well-known scriptures in the entire Bible. I mean, you see it at football games. Come on, right? John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he God looked upon all time he looked at you, and he looked at you, and you, and you, and you, and you. He looked upon this entire world, and he gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world, God so loved you that he 
gave. Giving is the heart of God. God gave you life. God gave you a way out of sin. God gave you Jesus. God gave you salvation. Now in response, he desires that you and I, the church, become givers. Why? Because we are called to be Christ ambassadors. We are called to be his representatives to this world. And if we are going to represent Jesus, then we've got to know who he is. We've got to understand who he is. We've got to respond how he would respond. And God is a giver. In response, we're called to grab a hold of the heart of God. Because the more of a giver I become, the more like God I become. It was Martin Luther that once said this, People go through three conversions. The conversion of the head, the conversion of the hearts, and their pocketbook. <clears throat> Unfortunately, not all at the same time. Do you remember your moment of conversion, your moment that you gave your life to Christ? For some of you, it started in the head. You had to really process in your mind. You had to wrap yourself around how the creator of the world could come to love you. Some of you, in that moment, you had, you had a heart change. You had been hard. You had been bitter. You had all this hurt and all this stuff tied up. And God had to work on your heart. And as Ezekiel said, he took that old stony, stubborn heart and he gave you that responsive heart. And there was a conversion in your heart. And now there's this moment of the pocketbook. Some of you are like, I don't even know what a pocketbook is. This younger generation, they're like, Your money is what we're talking about. I saw a, a cartoon, a political cartoon one time of this guy that was being baptized. And in the midst of the cartoon, he says, God, I surrender everything to you. But reaching out of the water, all you see is the guy's arm holding his wallet as high above the water as he possibly could. Why? Because he wasn't ready to surrender everything quite yet. Everyone goes through three conversions. The conversion of the head, the heart, and their pocketbook. Unfortunately, not all at the same time. For the next few moments this morning, I want to talk with you about three observations of a true giver. Hopefully you have an outline this morning, or if you didn't, I would encourage you to go to the YouVersion app, and, and on that app you have all of the notes and, and all the fill-ins, everything is there as well. Just Google or look up Bethel Assembly on the YouVersion app and you can find us there. Three observations. Number one is this. Sowing generously will produce a generous harvest. Sowing generously will produce a generous harvest. Now, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is the principle of sowing and reaping. When a farmer looks at an empty field or barren land and he wants to gain more crops, what does he have to do? Does he, does he just pray about it? Well, he may pray about it, but probably not. Does he complain? Well, I just can't believe that field is so empty. There's nothing out there, just a bunch of dirt. Does he, does he complain? Is that going to make a difference? 
No, that's not going to really make a difference. What he needs to do is, is go out and sow some seed. In other words, plant some seed. See, until he sows the seed, nothing is going to happen on that piece of empty land. Yes? When we first moved into our current house here in town, the field to the right of our house, the yard, I should say, to the right of our house was just dirt. There were these trees, um, hedge apple trees, which, by the way, I don't know why they were created. I believe that hell is going to be encased with hedge apple trees. Can I, can I hear an amen on that? And, and so these hedge apple trees were growing over this fence line into our side yard, and it was almost like this enchanted forest moment that, that when, the, when the sun went down and the moon was coming through, suddenly those limbs of those trees came alive. It was crazy. And there was no grass because the sun just couldn't make its way in. So the very first thing that we had to do, two things actually, one was trim out some of the trees, and two, we had to plant seed. Now, if I would have just trimmed out the trees and not planted seed, I might have gotten some weeds and most likely would have gotten weeds, but it wouldn't have been anything productive or beneficial. So in order to see grass actually grow, I had to what? Sow the seed. I had to plant the seed. It's the principle of sowing and reaping, planting and having a harvest. Let me give you an example. There's two farmers. Both of these farmers have a field that is barren, that is just empty, that nothing is there. The farmers are in debt. They're in desperate need of something to happen. They both have a sack of seed, the same amount of seed. One of the farmers says this, this bag of seed is, is all that I have. I'm going to hold on to this seed. I'm not going to sow it. I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to spread it out. And because, why? Because it's all that I have. And once it's gone, it's gone. Because he held on to that seed, he never received the harvest. He's never going to see any grass grow, any plants grow. He's never going to have the harvest at the end of the season. Yet the other farmer says, here's my sack of seed. I'm going to spread it out until everything is gone. The only way that I'm going to receive a harvest, the only way that I'm going to have anything grow, the only way that I'm going to move forward with any of this is to give it away to sow the seed. So what are we saying here? Well, God is saying that His financial plan for your life starts with faith. It starts with faith. I don't really totally, completely understand how that works when you throw the seed in the ground. I understand that the seed dies and then it sprouts, and, but I don't, I don't get all of that stuff. But I have faith that when I put that seed down, that something is going to come out as a result. God says... It starts with your faith. It's a test of faith. To us, it may seem illogical. Well, the one farm, both farmers only had one bag of seed. It doesn't make sense to, to get rid of the only bag of seed that they have. Why would I give away the only little bit that I've got? Because God's ways are not our ways. The 
God's way is not our way. We have such a, a limited logical ability to process life, yet God sees it all. You see, when we have a financial need, what do we do? Well, sometimes we borrow. Maybe you go to the bank and you take out a, a, a loan for your car, for your house, or for that project, or just to get out of this situation or that problem. Or maybe you go to a family member or a friend or whatever, and you borrow money from them. Hey, can I borrow 100 bucks? Can I borrow 20 bucks? Can I borrow 5000 Hey, Andy, can I borrow 5000 No? Okay. Like I said, you go to a friend. No. Or, or you charge it. We shop like a bull. We charge everything, right? I mean, we just max out every credit. I've been in line behind people, and they take out their wallet, and they try to run the, the credit card, and it goes through. I'm sorry, that one denied. Okay, try this one. Okay, that one declined. Okay, try this. Well, that declined. Apparently, I have too many cards in here. We charge it all. We can't afford it, but we're going to put it on the credit card because we can just take care of it later. If we have a financial problem, we charge everything. Or maybe you just, you just work a little harder. You take a few extra hours at work. You work some overtime. You get an additional job, more income some way, somehow. You work a lot harder just to bring in the funds. Or maybe you beg. Andy, can I please? I don't want to borrow it now. Will you just give me $5,000? He's not going to do that either. Or we steal it. <laughs> no. We take what's not ours. But God said, that's not really the way. And I'm not saying you shouldn't take a loan if you need a loan. But what I'm saying is this. God's way isn't any of these. It's not borrow. It's not charge. It's not work harder. It's not beg. It's not steal. God's way is it's a four-letter word, give. Give. The only way that you're going to really see a harvest is to grab a hold of the hearts of a giver. Now, yes, we've got to do hard work. The Bible is very clear that a workman is worthy of his pay. In fact, a friend of mine uh, often says it's a Chinese proverb, no worky, no eaty. A workman is worthy of his pay. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, pastor, I'll begin to, to give. I'll start giving when I get out of debt. And God says, well, it starts with giving. I'm not talking name it and claim it. I'm not talking make Jesus a, a genie in a bottle. I'm not saying all of this. But what we're talking about is the principle of sowing and reaping, establishing an attitude of a giver. The principle of sowing and reaping applies to every area of your life, whether you realize this or not. It's not just financial, but whatever you give out in life is what you're going to get back. Did you know that? Whatever you give out is what you're going to get back. If you give out criticism, you're going to receive criticism. If you give out kindness, you're going to receive kindness. If you give out anger, guess what you're going to receive back? Anger. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you give is what you will receive. If you give out love, you'll receive love. Whatever you need in your life today, listen carefully, whatever you need in your life today, begin to give that away. 
If you say, well, oh, Pastor, I just don't have any, any friends. No one's friendly to me. Start being friendly to those around you and watch what happens. I'm telling you, it works in every area of your life. If you want joy in your life, begin to give joy away. The second observation. I must give with the right attitude. What was the first observation? Sowing generously will produce a generous harvest. And number two, I must give with a right attitude. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives, say it with me, cheerfully. You must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. There's a right way to give and a wrong way to give. I heard someone say one time that, that God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll sure take it from a grump. There's a right way to give and there's a wrong way to give. But let me clarify something very quickly. God doesn't need your money. Again, this is not about a, a bigger offering. God doesn't need your money. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If he needs some money, he'll sell a cow. God doesn't need your money because quite honestly, it's not yours. He already owns it. We talked about it last week. He owns it. You're just the manager of it. It's sort of on loan for you or to you for your time here on earth. And when you die, guess what? It goes to somebody else. So if he doesn't need your money, if God doesn't need your money, then what does God need? Well, what he wants is your heart. And most of us spend so much time thinking about our money. We're planning our money. We're saving our money. We're spending our money. We're worrying about our money. We're investing our money. We're using our money. All of these things. And God says it's such a large part of your life, such a major part of your life. I want to be part of that. God wants your hearts. In fact, Matthew chapter 6 says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen carefully. God is far more interested in the attitude behind your giving than he is the amount you give. That's a relief to some of you. Some of you are trying to give your way to pleasing God, and it's not about the amount that you give. Some of you are, you're like, you know, my, my little bit won't make a difference for the kingdom of God, so you don't give at all. God's not nearly concerned about the amount as he is the heart. He's interested in why you give the amount that you give. Why do you give in the offering? Why do you give your tithe? Why do you give to missions? Let me read it again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. 
And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I want to break this scripture down very quickly. Four attitudes to display while giving. Number one is this. I am to give thoughtfully. I am to give thoughtfully. In other words, decide in your heart. Make up your own mind. How much is it that you're going to give? Don't give impulsively. I mean, you see that, that commercial on TV with the puppy dog? And suddenly you're like, you're moved to tears and you call and you like give away everything because there was this puppy dog in need. Come on, right? Don't give impul- impulsively. Pray about it. God, that's why when we get to our missions emphasis every year, we give you our faith promise card and we say, we're not going to receive this today, but pray about it this week. Right? Do you remember me saying that? We do that every March. Pray about it. God, what would you have me to do? And then give deliberately because of the decision that you made through prayer as God has led you and guided you. Have a plan for your giving. I'm to give thoughtfully. But the second thing I see is this. I'm to give enthusiastically. Enthusiastically. Paul says not grudgingly. Not a give out of grin and bear it. I just, I just have to give this. I don't want to give this to God, but I'm going to give this to God. Ah. But give enthusiastically. Lord, thank you for allowing me to partner with you to reach this world. Thank you, God, for blessing my life so that I can be a blessing to others. God, thank you for using me and letting me be a vessel or a funnel in which you flow through to reach the lost for the kingdom of God. Lord, I give enthusiastically to you. And the third thing, I am to give voluntarily. Listen carefully. Don't ever give out of pressure. Don't ever give out of pressure. If you feel pressure to give, repeat after me, I won't do it. Don't give out of pressure. Quite honestly, you won't get any credit in heaven for that. God says it's your attitude that counts. God looks at the heart. He looks at the reason why you give. I give thoughtfully, I give enthusiastically, I give voluntarily, and number four, I give cheerfully. The Bible says God loves a person who gives cheerfully. The original Greek word here is the word hilaros. Guess what word we get in our, in our English language for that? Hilarious. God says, I want you to have a, a good time when you're giving. I want you just to have a, a belly laughter moment when you give. It's a hilarious moment when you give. It should be fun to give back to God. But why does God love a, a cheerful giver? Because He is one. God cheerfully gives you every single second of your life. The breath that you just took, God cheerfully gave that to you. You would have absolutely nothing if it were not for the cheerful giving of God. And God desires that you become like Him. We discover the sowing generously produces a generous harvest, and, and I must give with the right attitude. And the third observation is this I can expect God to meet my needs. Did you know that? 
as you give back to God, you can expect God to give back to you. Now, that's not the reason why we give, but we can expect that. In fact, the, one of the names for God is Jehovah Jireh, our what? Provider. God is our provider. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God will generously provide all you need. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to what? Share with others. What does this verse not include? Well, it includes everything. All is all-inclusive. You'll have everything that's all-inclusive. You'll have everything you need and plenty left over does that include your your mortgage payment absolutely your school bills it sure does doctor bills yeah god will supply all of your needs now listen carefully there, there's a word in there that's important it's the word need sometimes our wants get in the way anybody else sometimes their wants are bigger than what they really need to be There's a lot of things out there that we could want. But it's not really the need. It's not what God has planned. So plan your spending. God, what would you have me to do? God, would you have me to get that new car? God, is that, that, is that the house, Lord, that, that I need to buy? God, do I really need that Starbucks for the fifth time today? Let God lead you in your giving. But in and through, in and through all of this, did you know that God issues you a challenge? Look at this, Malachi chapter 3. Bring the whole tithe, and hold on to that word, we're going to come back to what a tithe is in just a moment. Bring the whole tithe, in other words, all of it, to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. What is a tithe? A tithe is the first 10% of my earnings. It's before Uncle Sam takes out his portion. Someone once asked, Pastor, do I give on my, my gross income or my net income? Well, my answer is, do you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? Tithe is the, the first 10% before Uncle Sam, before retirement, before anything else, give back to God right off the top. I used to think when I was a young adult that, that I could really just kind of divvy up my tithe and, and put it wherever I wanted to put it because, well, it's, you know, it's going to go to the church, it's going to go blessed, so I can just divvy it up. But the more that I read the scripture, the more I understand, look at Malachi, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. In other words, Give that tithe to the church and trust the leadership to use it according to what God has planned. And then I began to really process tithing, and, and I realized there's three reasons to tithe. Number one is this. It's an act of gratitude. It's an act of gratitude. It's saying, God, I want to remind myself today that everything that I have comes from you that I wouldn't have anything at all if it wasn't for you. So God, I'm just going to give back to you. God, I'm so grateful 
for the price that you paid. God, I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life. God, I'm going to give back to you. I want, I want you to remember something. You are not punishing the church by not giving, but you're putting a block between you and, and God and your blessing. You see, this is all about that relationship with him. The second thing is it's an act of priority. It's, it's gratitude, but it's also an act of priority. It says, God, I want you to be number one in my life. Oftentimes we say, God, I love you. I love you, Lord. I praise you. But really, it's just lip service until I give him first place in every area of my life. Every area. My family life, my time, my finances, everything. Until I give God my all, it's just lip service. The Bible says that he can't stand our religious charades. We're just playing games. It's gratitude, it's priority, and finally, number three, it's a statement of faith. God, to prove that I'm trusting you, I'm going to give to you first. God wants us to learn to be a giver. He says, bring it to the storehouse and test me. In other words, he says, I dare you. I dare you to trust me. I dare you to tithe. I dare you to put me first and watch what happens. But I know some of you. I know what you're saying in your mind. Pastor, I'd like to give, but I can't afford to. I would, I would simply answer this way. You can't afford not to. You can't afford, I know it's a double negative, but work with it here. You can't afford not to. God wants to bless your life. God wants to, to help you in your finances, but you've got to put him first. I want to end with this statement. If I can trust Jesus with my forgiveness, my freedom, and my future, I can certainly trust him with my finances. If I can trust Jesus with my forgiveness, my freedom, my future, I can certainly trust him with my finances.